Welcome to the Workbrand Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and theworkbrand.com. Hi there, and welcome to episode six of the Work Prince. This is the cast. I'm your host, Christian, and today we'll be talking about The Mandalorian Chapter 15, The Believer. With me today are some special guests who, if you'd be kind to introduce yourselves and what you do. Hey there, I'm Jad. I'm a writer. I also write for The Work Print. And, um, yeah. Hey, everyone. This is Michelle. I am a good friend of Christian's and, uh, yeah, just, just kind of do a lot of fun things. Michelle is a super awesome person and an awesome nerd too, and uh, yeah, she's taught me a lot about conventions and stuff. I'm oh, happy yeah. to have you on. So, and I'm Basam. I'm a, also a writer for the Work Print, and I am a obsessed Mandalorian fan. So, one thing, let me just clarify: this was episode seven. We're going to be talking about episode seven of season two, not episode six. Okay, so um, yeah, we've all watched this episode, which was really dope. Uh, guys, what were your initial thoughts and opinions of uh, of the Believer? Give me more Bill Burr in action movies. No, no more. <laughs> oh my god, please no. <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed the episode. I thought it was uh, super fun. Um, it's definitely like one of the most like tension building episodes I think of the season so far. Um, but overall, I, I thought it was like acted very well. The action sequences were super phenomenal. Um, so if you guys really enjoy kind of like you know watching sci-fi equipment blow up. That is a really great show to check out, too. And, and also for the mythos, of course, too, of Star Wars. So um, I really enjoyed this episode a lot. And I guess I'm more on the I didn't mind seeing Bill Burr, and I liked his, uh, his acting in this episode. But I thought the episode did a really good job of giving his character and Mandalorian, and actually everyone in the crew had a nice little chunk of time, even though it was more focused on uh, Din and Mayfield. But I thought that the action sequences and everything... Oh no! He's uh, Sam's currently streaming from an Imperial cruiser that's about um, <laughs> you know it's circling our Earth currently. It sounds um, like he's between hyperspace and you know, not. Yeah, totally. He's, yeah. he's totally between this two. He has a monolith currently in his uh, cruiser that he's supposed <laughs> to drop off in New Jersey. Oh, uh, we're getting a monolith now. Oh, I think so. I think so. If I could understand. I think that's what he's trying to signal out to us currently. Yeah, it's Morris code for monolith. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, all right, so I wonder, should I, like, mute him? You guys think? Oh, wait, he says one second. Yeah, see if you can mute him until he comes through. Okay, let's. Just so I can, you know, this is part of the Star Wars immersion that we offer at the work print here through our podcasting. Um, it's like Star Wars ASMR. <laughs> I actually Dude. was just listening to Star Wars ASMR before the show earlier today. So, go. yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Did you literally just mute and unmute? That's super funny. No, what is it? I don't have control over it for some reason. Which I I always thought I did, but I don't. Why don't you figure that out, Michelle? Tell me why. Why don't you uh, like Bill Burr? I guess in action sequences. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Let's okay. Do it. We'll ju- we'll just jump right into it. Also, um, I completely forgot, guys, that. I in post they're all separate tracks, so it doesn't even it doesn't even matter. Like, oh really? So they're we, not gonna no. hear the Star Wars. Yeah, we, we we hear it, but I could just cut I can just mute that track, so it, it's fine. You I keep forgetting. A little bit of the ASMR. That's like, you know, yeah. Alright, so <laughs> let's let's pretend like that didn't happen, right? Alright. Uh <laughs> So Michelle. Or actually Jad, you asked the question. Yeah. Go ahead, Jad. Oh, okay, because I, I noticed um it, it sounded like you were not a fan of Bilber as a uh, as a guest on the show, or at least in the role of um Mayfield for this episode. I'm curious as to why. Uh, unpopular opinion that is unpopular. I don't feel like Bill Burr is actually acting. Sorry, Bill Burr. I know you're a fantastic <laughs> guy. Like, I've seen your show. My significant other is a huge fan of yours, and he would do anything to like get dinner with you and just like be best friends. But it it, it doesn't feel like you're acting, sir. Um, I I'm sorry, but. That's just how I feel, and those are my feelings, and I hope that's okay. Um, of course it's okay, man. It's yeah. Okay. Well, what I thought was really interesting was, especially in the first time we we get introduced to Mayfeld uh, in the first season, um, he's, it, it's, it's this 
you know, space alien or uh, spaceman with the Boston accent. Boston, is that where you're from? Oh my god. That's true, but I mean, there is no Boston in space. I guess yeah, so I don't know. Heavy, heavy, heavy like what we know as like the viewer with this Bostonian accent, and you're just like, really? I, I can't. Wait, you're not even. Really, no, nothing more. And it didn't. I don't know. I didn't feel as transported into the Star Wars world when I was introduced to this character. Um, and then come this episode, I was. I was really unimpressed at first. I was like, no, not him again. Darn it. But I think <laughs> the saving grace of um, Bill Burr in this episode was the opportunity for him to like really point out some, a lot of hypocrisy and a lot of like problems that kind of have grown within the Mandalorian and the universe and all of this uh just the reality of the fact that like the Mandalorian is in this sect of Mandalorians where they don't take off their helmet and he's compromised once and he finds himself in all these difficult places. So all that foreshadowing that happened, I was like, that is really good. But I almost kind of wish that it wasn't Bill Burr himself, but that's just my (laughs) personal opinion. I'm just casually a Bill Burr hater also, I guess, which is really, really mean sounding. But you know what? You're a super successful guy and other people love you, so it's okay. Well, I, I totally see what you're saying. I do like that they use the stand-up comedian as the voice of reason here because, like, mm-hmm. talking is what he does. And so he did it in this episode. I thought he did, frankly, like a, a pretty decent job. Um, I, I did like how he, he was like, you know, Mando is a Mandalorian, but Mandalore is gone. The Alderanians, <laughs> Alderaan and all their people had their beliefs and they're, they're gone. The Empire, the, the, the Republic, kind of one and the same. He's, he's very much just somebody who's like everyone's just trying to survive in this crazy wars filled star galaxy um what, what do you guys think yeah totally i, I can see your critique uh, michelle absolutely um there was a little bit of suspension of disbelief when i did see him uh in the first season um but i just kind of like went into it um and just kind of like i guess forgave it in that regard because it is definitely a role that he's not um prolific in i presume you know since he's doing a lot more stand-up and, and stuff like that as opposed to screen acting and such um, but yeah, I, I really dug it. Um, and I really like how they're kind of trying to expand out, uh, the spar the Star Wars universe away from kind of the traditional characters that we're used to. Um, so I actually thought it was like a little bit ref- refreshing to see people, um, like Bill Burr or like Giancarlo Esposito, yeah. um, who again, not in, really in a sci-fi kind of setting or, you know, I'm not used to seeing him in a sci-fi setting being able to appear as the uh, as the Grand Moff Gideon. So um, that's one thing I'm really digging with John Favreau's show, um, you know, with, with this season especially, is that uh, they're really starting to dig into to Legends, what was yeah. known as the Expanded Universe. Um, and they're really kind of starting to play a lot with these different ethical dilemmas and stuff. And, and Christian, you said something really interesting about him being the voice of reason mm-hmm. within the uh, the story. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah, like I just I, the thing with Star Wars and and I guess because it's so monomythic and it's so like traditional storytelling, it's like hero's journey, like all that stuff, the samurai, like all all of those stories are great because there's a moral like right wrong. There's the light side, dark side in the Star Wars universe. What I really liked about uh, uh, Bill Burr's uh, uh, Migs is that like he he kind of just saw it in like a more morally gray area which is a it's a territory that we don't go too often in star wars because we we worry that we lose the the boundaries of what's the empire and what's what's the republic even even this episode itself we kind of cheer for the stormtroopers because they help save the day um but anyway uh all right so let me talk about the big issue or let me ask you guys about the big issue uh for this episode which is Mando taking his mask off and us finally seeing the gorgeousity that is Pedro Pascal. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, about the man and the mustache behind the helmet and uh, his sacrifice of, of showing his face for baby Grogu and that whole it's the second time you see his face. Yeah, it's the you second time. Yes, but like the, this time he was like, I'm going to be willing to show it because the, my kid needs it. You know, now it's it's like brought up another notch. Uh, thoughts? That mustache, bro. <laughs> um, so I 
have actually watched the entire series twice at this point when oh first initially came out and then again uh my dad binged binged it like basically during the week of thanksgiving he he was like no another no this is not done yet we can watch another <laughs> so you could see like an asian dad like being like no i want to watch more of this yeah uh, so i've been deep diving into star wars i feel like the last especially the last couple weeks oh, yeah. um and i think and, and i think Again, more suspension of disbelief. My mom's sitting there watching and going, this guy has a mustache? This guy has a head of hair? How is he letting his skin breathe? How is he able to eat? How is he able to drink? And I'm like, mom, it's a space western. Calm down. <laughs> I love your mom in that sense because I, I think the same thing. I'm like, look, you look gorgeous on there. You, under there, you look well trimmed and stuff. Who is that for? No one's going to see your face ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all did. We all did. Yeah. Um, so you bring up a, uh, there's two points I want to kind of touch upon real, real quick, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle said about it being space western, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is such an accurate uh, descriptor of the show. Um, but then you also mentioned the monomyth, my good sir. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this is a show that kind of shifts away from the monomyth, mainly because it it stylizes itself structurally off of Lone Wolf and Cub, mm. a very famous manga that came out back in the day, um, and like the, the several different movies in that regard too. I was just kind of curious to what both your thoughts are on that. Um, uh, about the manga itself, I didn't actually get a chance to read. Well, not but... the manga, but about like it, you know, um, you know, sticking to the traditional monomythic structure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, d- <sighs> How do I put this? The, the trope itself. Yeah, the tr- like he's asking, uh, what do we think of it going away from the traditional like Star Wars trope of the hero, the hero's journey per se, which is you know, uh, real quick for those who don't know, hero's journey is there's there's a there's a somebody who's uh, in a completely different situation. They are called to an adventure, they go on a quest, and then uh, come out of it changed, and then try to change their their old world from the experiences they go through from before that's like a very really abridged version of it it's very popular in every story you can imagine the entire first star wars movie was very much like that and uh, jad is saying that they're doing away with that in this one they're, they're trying to steer away from that that particular structure and to that i say yes wholeheartedly like um especially because it's it's more about the child and less less him changing as much as is preserving right um the preserving life i should say but uh still i think a lot of the moral like good versus bad comes from monomythic it comes from somebody going through an adventure and having to overcome something while kind of learning about themselves along the way that's kind of the the main the the meat and the taters of it um and in that sense, I think that it's still very much the same. Like, I still think the the right versus wrong elements will always still be in Star Wars, as I mentioned before. And it's hard to kind of steer away from that. And um, I think Last Jedi did a pretty, pretty decent job of doing that. But I, I personally was conflicted with that movie. Uh, Michelle, what are your thoughts? I was going to say, I think with the way we're consuming content, especially TV shows like this, there's a lot of storytelling that is forced or gradually evolution uh evolving Mm -hmm. because we've seen the hero's journey so many times we've seen the proverbial princess get saved by the hero and whatever um we see it in harry potter we saw in the original star wars we see parts of it in game of thrones doctor who i'm like what other things doctor who is fantastic at it i mean they um it's a good good that you brought it up because i was going to say that they um they do it a lot i should say yeah and i'm like Mm -hmm. wait so like star trek i'm thinking of like the bigger fandoms that have the the same hero's journey story so seeing seeing this is like a first iteration if not maybe iteration 1.2 of like the evolutions of the story of storytelling changing and we're not focused on um, the same challenges, the same old mentor, the same super secret weapon that helps the hero along the way. So I think this is really refreshing. I applaud you on that because I, I agree. Um, all right. So uh, should we continue? Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Uh, next question. The Rhydonium truck heist and the crazy action sequence of uh, of Mando and uh, and Migs trying to survive uh, and being the only apparently the only supply crew to even make it out alive. What are your thoughts on that whole crazy epic action sequence? And more importantly, the Empire saving the day. 
there you go, turning your the 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 narrative on the monomythic and the making the bad guys good. I think first, so there's contextually speaking, I'm going to add some context before I say my answer. Sure. Back in middle school, I had an English teacher who set, who um, enforced this rule called stop the plop, and stopping the plop really meant don't just throw things into your essay expecting people to understand what it is and i i was a little confused as the viewer of this sh like show who these space pirates actually were like why <laughs> yeah. are they here why have today of all days they decided to attack like there was no introduction and all of a sudden there's these space pirates and at first i was like okay great i'm excited for these space pirates to be good guys because you know they need r the right Rhydonium um, for insert thing here and that can deviate to another story um, I'm all about different rabbit holes and going elsewhere uh, and pivoting the story to a different place mm -hmm. so in my opinion I was like okay I'm gonna cheer on these pirates oh wait hold on wait they're bad guys they want to blow they want they want to blow it blow this up wait what who are you what why <laughs> so um, maybe I missed something earlier or maybe there's like an expanded universe bit that I didn't know about or it was just so it was very confusing. So I can see my mom going, who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I thought the, the scene itself was like a lot of fun and very interesting. Like, you know, it, it kept you at the edge of your seat, but I, I didn't know who they are. So it was it was confusing. Good point. Uh, Jad, what are your thoughts? I really liked it a lot. I loved it. Um, you know, Michelle brings up a great point, and, and I'm actually going to take that a little bit further um, by talking and connecting it again back to Lone Wolf and Cub. I think because of the way they structure the story, um, it's supposed to make, kind of make you question who are those guys and make you confused, you know, um, intentionally. So um, much like Lone Wolf and Cub, here it just really focuses kind of on the struggle of of, um, of Din and, uh, and Grogu, right? Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda so, and Mando. <laughs> and, and Mando, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the Republic and the Imperials don't quite matter really within this story, right? They're just kind of more obstacles that Mando and Grogu have to uh, face with as they're going on um, through their adventure, which is really a chase um, mm -hmm. within the story. So I think because of the way that's structured, just kind of like how the, the manga does it, um, it's supposed to kind of make you perceive what we would consider to be like order versus chaos or good and bad in a totally different light within that, you know? Um, so, so it's like, yeah, cause initially you're just kind of like, well, you know, yeah, th these pirates are great. They're fighting against the empire. They're totally going to, you know, attack their supply chain. Right. Which is a nice metaphor for kind of like imperialism and oil mm -hmm. and such. Um, but then you kind of don't want that to happen because you want your protagonist to survive. And that ties in heavily to what, um, Mix Mayfield was saying in the sense that, you know, uh, when you're pushed to this extreme, your actions are going to become more gray, right? Mm -hmm. There's totally. always this line that we're going to completely change in order to accomplish something, kind of, uh, you know, violating our mor moral code in that regard, too. So um, I think that's something what Lone Wolf and Cub, what Lone Wolf and Cub is trying to teach and um, that this one is this show is also teaching at the same time, too. Um, to, to kind of be able to show you that, you know, it doesn't really matter. There's a world that exists outside of just the fight between the Empire and the Rebels. And to get into the second part of what I want to say a little bit too, it also shows you that the Imperials don't think together as a mo monolith also. You know, there's diversity of thought um, and action kind of within them too. Because Mayfield was an Imperial runner, I believe, beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. An imperial soldier of some mm -hmm. sort um and his whole discussion with um uh what's his face uh valen yeah, hess that's officer. actually gonna be the next question yeah valen hess and stuff yeah um kind of about what was going on there and you know has kind of doubling down on the propaganda as kind of a way you know um to show you that even when you have some sort of like an authoritative society and stuff that there can still be still be diversity of thought um, within that, or kind of like under them, you know, wholeheartedly. I guess to, just to dive right into the the Hess storyline. Um, so like, what? 
I really like that you brought that up because, like, what were your thoughts overall about Hess and uh, Miggs's uh, dialect, or I should sorry, dialogue, and um, and the whole, you know, the tragedy that happened to him, which very much affected his, I guess, belief in in a lot of uh, what's happening between the the Empire and the Rebellion, because it, it very it very much seems like uh, Miggs is. His whole survivor philosophy comes from that experience, and you're kind of see. It's bizarre that we are only getting his character journey now, but it, it's like an entirely wrapped up because by the end of this, as we know, um, you know he gets, I guess, quote unquote, revenge against uh, against his old boss who let all all of his friends die. What are your overall thoughts on that whole storyline and 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 that tragedy? Um, yeah. Again, a little bit of stop the plop, maybe. Uh, only again, I, I guess I should preface. I've only watched all of the films and Mandalorian. I was planning on watching Clone Wars and Rebels, so maybe somewhere in there, there's a story. There, there's a couple of there's more context that would have helped me. But since I didn't quite understand that reference, I was like, oh, so I guess something bad happened. But bad could mean you know I tripped and scraped my knee, or you know an entire Holocaust happened. So. It, yeah. it was really difficult for me to understand, but from the conversation I gathered, oh, that was really bad. But because I wasn't like set up to be sympathetic or empathetic, uh, I was like, oh, okay, this is a bad thing that happened, and that's that that guy he's talking to is a bad guy, so he should die anyway. And then <laughs> lo and behold, he gets shot. So I was like, yay, that happened. Yeah, no, I was literally in the same boat. And you brought you bring up a very good point because um, what is it? Uh, the um. If you don't watch Clone Wars or or the other uh, the other expanded universe type material, it does get kind of confusing. And I guess we'll talk about that when we open the conversation. But Chad, any any other last thoughts about uh, that conversation and, and that epic showdown? Yeah, totally. Um, I, again, uh, Michelle brings up another great point, which is a critique about that whole Lone Wolf and Cub, um, you know, structure and kind of shifting away from the monomyth is that it doesn't leave enough room for characterization, right? Mm-hmm. Each of these episodes kind of range between 30 to 40 minutes, I think. So you're not quite getting a full hour. Um, so I think it makes it you know, increasingly difficult for the writers to be able to get into a lot of characterization, to be able to build up a lot of empathy um, you know, towards these different characters, such as Mayfield, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Michelle said it best. It's like, yeah, you just know as Hess is the bad guy immediately. That's it. You know, there's no real kind of discussion beyond that, you know, outside of his individual discussion with Mayfield. So um, that's actually one critique that I have about the show overall is I definitely think it needs to be longer. Uh, we definitely need to see a lot more of these characters flushed out. Um, and I'm happy that they did kind of dedicate this episode um, to uh, Bill Burr Mayfield. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, that's something I think, I hope at least, that they do consider for the, the next season, for season three and beyond, is just kind of, you know, um, giving us a little bit more continuity. Um, you know, and I think they're trying. You can definitely see that they definitely, you know, they're they're uh, trying to kind of tie up everything together, you know, within that. Um, and, yes, it's like if you don't see, you know, kind of what's going on, outside of the the movies and the main shows, it is going to be a little bit confusing too. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to timeline, right? That's like the one thing that even frustrates me because it's like I haven't seen all of the Clone Wars. I've seen many episodes here and there. Um, and I've definitely used to read a lot in the uh, Expanded Universe back in the day, um, which is now Legends. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can get like super frustrating if you haven't read like the whole thing. It it's simple enough where you can like support the heroes and the bad people or know who the bad people are, but yeah, no, it, it's very confusing. It's it's actually something I think I've addressed I guess several times now in this podcast that like this was really cool and great and like we're we're happy to get good quality Star Wars material, but yeah, there there definitely seems like they're setting up for something like bigger or they're referencing things that we haven't watched yet. That said, um, wh- what is it, uh? Just to open up the uh, the second half, uh, Disney is now greenlighting a ton of Star Wars material. Because as of I think yesterday, a greenlit like ten ten new movies and shows that all kind of tie into this and expand on this and expand on things that you've seen before. So like yeah, the whole the whole argument of like all right, let's give it more time and stuff. Agree, but like damn, they dropped the 
bomb on that. Like there, there's so much more uh, uh, Star Wars related shows and 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 features. Uh, guys, what are your what are your thoughts and on how kind of overwhelming this sort of is? Because there's a lot, honestly. I think the initial knee jerk reaction is, "Fuck yeah, so much more <laughs> Star Wars stuff." This is gonna keep. I mean, like. For for my parents, I keep re- referencing them because like they're they're the epitome of casual fans. Like my dad did not get a chance to watch Rogue One and um what was the other one? It's a Solo. Solo. Uh, yeah, and when it initially came out, and obviously, and I did not realize that you know a casual fan, even though he is he was the one that introduced me to the Star Wars fandom. Even though he like didn't know about it, I was like, "Wait a minute, how could you not have known?" <laughs> and then you think about all the people that don't know about all these other great branches of the Star Wars fandom that they could be involved in. Um, I, I think that just gives people the chance to, to like cherry pick to say, "Okay, you know what? I really want to learn and I want to follow an X-wing pilot in their journey." I don't know if there's actually an epi- a TV series there, about there that. There is. It's wishing... funny that you say that because that's the biggest one. That's the okay. Rogue Squadron with Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman. She's directing a new TV series about. Uh, yeah literally that yeah so having that opportunity to cherry pick and i yeah i i only saw like a lot of headlines the last like couple days so or the last two days so i i'm not i'm kind of like in the dark but like that's why my initial reaction is like fuck yeah but at the same time i'm also like oh my god there's so much more content that i as a person who kind of produces a lot of these community gatherings that i just need to like learn to understand because if I don't understand why we're gathering and why these events or why there's like, you know, people are coming together to discuss all these different nuances and have all these great conversations, uh, it's it's overwhelming. Totally. Uh, Jad, your thoughts on the crazy everything with Star Wars? Yeah, I mean, it's like a regular excess of our culture, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, which I'm okay with to an extent. Um, I was initially yeah. too, but there, I'll, I'll list some of them uh, in a few. But but uh, let me hear your thoughts. Sure. You know, um, I think one of the best parts about Star Wars, which is something that the prequels and this new like Abrams trilogy completely misses out on, is the expanded universe. Right? It's this idea that it's a universe. There are other things going on um, than just the whole Luke Skywalker storyline. You know, mm-hmm. and and his ancestors, kind of not really. Um. So when I did hear about uh the one with the new rebels you know that definitely got me excited um i don't know what else they're going to do they're going to do an obi-wan series i believe right mm-hmm. yeah okay so here's yeah, here's the of- list i don't think this is all of them but this is the ones that i marked cuz i had to mention them cuz they're all kind of related there okay. is um I'll tell you my initial reaction to every single one. If you right. want. Uh, Rogue Squadron, which we've been talking about, that's the one directed by Patty Jenkins, and it's a bunch yep. of new pilots for the Rebellion. Uh, don't know anything more than that except. And it has Mr. Kim from Kim's Convenience. Oh, that's dope! I didn't know that. Or he's gonna be in it, I think. Right? He's he's the current one. He's currently in uh, this season. Oh, that makes sense. See, like the season was setting right up all here. this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I presume it's that. I, I could be assumptive there, but that's kind of my reaction to that. I mean, it, it makes sense. And to be honest, I wouldn't discredit it because, like, all of this seems to be tying together. There's a new film by Taika Waititi. We don't know what it is yet, but he's going to be doing this on top of the Thor stuff. So I have no idea. It, it's awesome. crazy, but yeah. Green. That's good. Um, the Obi-Wan TV series with uh, Ewan McGregor. With, mm-hmm. bum bum bum, Hayden Christensen returning as Darth Vader. I'm not going to lie, I'm actually quite excited about that. I, redemption time, am I right? Or maybe maybe I'm the only one that's like a Hayden Christian fan over here, but yeah. I, I like Hayden. Uh, um, I don't know what they're going to do with that, personally, because we know that they meet again in A New Hope and they do the epic duel, which was their first, you know, meet really in the whole series. But from what I hear, they're implying that there's going to be another duel. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I don't... I'm not looking forward to that one, to be honest with you. I'm excited for it, but, like, the Hayden thing throws me off, because they're gonna, they're gonna have screen time together, which makes me go, okay, so then there was a moment where you two hung out after he burnt you to death, and before you started training his son. Okay, sure. Um, and it's all gonna be on Tatooine, too, right? Didn't Obi-Wan take Luke to Tatooine? I don't know, man. Like, I, that's what I thought at first, too, but, like, there's so many implications that Obi-Wan's gonna leave. I, I personally think, fan theory-wise, that I, I think he's the one who saves Baby, Baby Yoda. Uh, that's just my guess, though. Um, somebody had to have gotten him out of uh, Coruscant. Uh, okay, uh, there's more. Ahsoka, which looked dope. Um, that that's gonna be a series as well, which we've seen awesome. in this one. Uh, thoughts on the Ahsoka series? Give me more. Yeah. 
I'm schedule in, it out for three seasons. Yeah, yeah. I'm into it. I uh, I initially did not like the costuming when she first came on. I but I think after it's been like what at least a week or two since we've seen her, and I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. This is be really exciting. Yeah. Nice. I am a I'm a big Rosaria Dawson fan. Just career her whole career. So like I'm I'm just excited for for that one. And, um, and to be honest, from what I hear, I haven't seen all of Clone Wars yet, but like. She really is, like, the the big thing of that and, like, Rebels or whatever. Uh, okay. Uh, there's still more. The Lando... Yeah, there's a Lando Calrissian series, which I'm happy about, but I'm like, where the fuck Only do we... if they bring back Gambino. That'd be good. Oh, my God, that'd be dope. Yes, yeah. please. I will, I will watch Glover's that. If in it, I will watch every single episode. Yeah. Uh, there is a spinoff of Rogue One with uh, Cassian. Cassian uh, Andor. I believe, it's called Andor, I believe. Um, yeah, I don't think that's... I, I loved Rogue One. Um, I, I didn't think it. you needed a, a prequel though, or like a setup story. Yeah, that's the the story is enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Rogue One did. I I feel what it was supposed to do. Did you, did you watch Rogue more? One? I did. Um... <laughs> did you not like Rogue One? Is that why? Quiet. <laughs> no, maybe. Well, I mean, I I mean, I enjoyed all the films. Um, maybe some a little more than others, but yeah. Rogue One is my one of my favorites in the series, but it's it's okay. Like same, yeah. Same. Uh, okay, and then the the most important one, which is the one, the whole reason I'm bringing up all these green light projects, and that's like seven now. Or I'm sorry, that was six. This is number seven, and it's the biggest one, uh, which which uh, ties into this episode. Uh, Rangers of the New Republic. The reason I mention it is because fans are going crazy. Assuming that Cara Dune will be the ranger because she's like the marshal right now. And that there is a high possibility that all of our gun-wielding heroes that we've seen so far, including Boba Fett, uh, Ming-Na Wen's... Uh, what's her name again? Uh, damn. Oh man, her name is escaping me too right now. Chad, do you got it? Because my brain is... Yeah, which character are you asking? Uh, Ming-Na Wen, Mulan. <laughs> oh, Fennec. Fennec, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, even Migs, they all could be coming back for Rangers of the New Republic. We we have no details on it, except that it's about Rangers, and now we have Marshals, so it's like, it kind of goes, we assume it goes hand in hand, but I don't know. Uh, thoughts Could if... it be Texas Rangers in space with Chuck Norris? <laughs> That'd be funny. Are you listening, Disney? Give us Chuck Norris in space. Actually, don't. Don't give us Chuck Norris in space. That'd be great if you find out he's actually like Django Fett. <laughs> <laughs> they shave him and make him Django, who survived somehow. <laughs> survived decapitation. Yeah, I know. Like, that's another thing, too. How do you guys feel about this whole, like, Boba Fett coming back? I, I'm happy because I, I love to see him as an actor and as the character. Um, it, it just seems like they're setting up another TV show, though, with that. I don't know. Could that be one of the other ten? Because you just listed, what, like four or five? Yeah, it could be, but to be honest, a part of me has a gut feeling that he could also be a ranger as well. Like, basically anyone who's Mando's buddy who isn't Mando himself could very much be one of these rangers, because they've set it up so that they're all kind of space cowboys, and what goes great with cowboys? The the marshals and rangers and, you know, law law enforcement and the Outer Rim outlaw territories. I think it would be really exciting, although... Um, I'm going to also backtrack half the comments I said earlier, but also just provide a different opinion. There are some TV series and fandoms that are so good just by itself, it really should just not have any more. And I'm curious if anyone thinks that, because there is, yes, there is such an expansive Star Wars universe um, that we could continue world building that is still kind of from George Lucas's you know brain it's his brainchild right um but i'm wondering if there's some things where like it just needs to stop and it that would be just be perfect because anything more it kind of just you know it kind of gets it becomes very formulaic so i guess examples i'm thinking about about um like i don't know if some of you guys have watched fleabag um that is that 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 tv series like really short but really sweet and like it's just so good by itself I, I i hope that they don't bring that back simply because the story by itself like that is so good uh another example is like supernatural i love supernatural um <laughs> i love uh i love all the characters in there and they're all escaping me other than dean because dean oh my god what a heartthrob but it was so formulaic like season like five through 13 were pretty much the same and i still watched it and it was great it was really entertaining but like could it have built some more, like, could we have built some more into the story, like, thoughtfully 
maybe. But I'm also comparing a movie with a or like a movie franchise versus a TV franchise versus like comic book. So I'm all over the place. No, you're not because Star Wars has become that. So you're you're pretty much on the nose as to what this universe is. Uh, regarding regarding Supernatural, we cover that a lot on this on the the word print itself. You can read every everyone's opinions about that and like how we've pretty much written about that since I think the site began. Uh, this is like even before my time here. Uh, and then, um, but wholeheartedly agree, which is also interesting because I think the the showrunner ended up doing the boys, if I remember correctly. Uh, but to bring it back to Flea, uh, I'm sorry, not Flea, Fleabag. Um, I haven't watched it yet. I hear it's fantastic. Um, weird Star Wars connection there too. Phoebe Waller Bridge was in Star Wars. Uh, she was in. Uh, which one was that? She was in... Was it Last Jedi? No. I think she was in Solo. She was in Solo. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Who did she play in Solo? What's up? Who did she play in Solo? She's the... She's the ship. She's the Millennium Falcon. Uh, oh, she was the, she is. the lady. The purple hair lady, right? Yeah, she... Well, no, she's the robot. Oh, no, no, you're right, you're right, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. she's the uh, android... Elite. She's Elite. Uh, L-E- L-337. Yeah. Yeah. So... We're entering a phase of entertainment where we're kind of just dragging as much as we can out, making all the monies. Yeah, that's totally new. No one's ever done that before in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, D- Disney's known for that, but yeah. No one's ever remade the Ten Commandments twice. Although, to be fair, times. if it's not, you know, re- if it's not trying to push the fandom to its limits until people are exhausted of it, it's also reviving it two to three years, maybe 15 years later, depending. That's true. Battlestar, yeah. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That was a great revival, and now we're getting another we're getting another Battlestar revival. Oh my god! Unnecessary. Like, has Hollywood just run out of ideas? A hundred percent. Well, that's it's worse than that. It's well, it's not worse. It's just that it's saturation. There are so many things now where you can watch TV, watch movies, uh, read. Like, it's it's got entertainment has grown so much, and the platforms have as well that they need even more content, which is great for screenwriters like myself. But it also makes it so that you get, you know here's an 11th Star Wars project or here's 10 Marvel movie things, ideas and and, and such, um, which they also did I believe yesterday too. They announced like 10 Marvel projects. Um, so yeah, we're, we're at a saturation point and stuff. And as fans, um, I don't know what the answer is. Like you, you do, you do want that the legacy to be there. So you want new content so that the newer generations can enjoy the things that you love. But then at the same time, it, it it too much does become too much. Uh, I don't know it's about when... finding balance between the poles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have no idea when the bubble pops. What do you what do you guys think? Are we at the uh, bubble? Like, did it officially pop with this announcement yesterday? Because it fe- it feels like that was a lot. Disney's I think done the right these answers. That the the government at some point is going to have to break up Disney. <laughs> I don't think so, yeah. man. They do enough where it's it's uh, it can get away with it, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I you know, look that. at Facebook, right? They're going through some like antitrust lawsuits currently so we'll see how that goes but will it really go anywhere like well that's the thing i mean you know bell was the last big company or corporation mega corporation that was broken up in the 80s right so Mm -hmm. um i mean there may have been one or two in between i'm not quite certain off the top of my head but um yeah man i think the the answer ultimately is like break up disney and all these big mega corporations and then like Restart them up as businesses on their own. That's my that's my opinion as a fan, I guess. Um, just because, like, I, I don't want... Like, you know, I love the fact that we're getting all this material from Disney. And I really do appreciate all the art and kind of support that Disney does give to a lot of artists and stuff. And, and to the, you know, different shows that we love. And expanding out the legacy and, and all that. And, and, you know, taking care of their fans. But at the same time, I don't think they should be the only ones, right? Because it kind of, kind of will leave a lot of these stuff that we're watching up right now to kind of their decision-making, right? Because mm-hmm. who knows what people will think in 10 years or 20 years, right? Maybe um, Bill Burr says something extremely problematic uh, in the next couple of years and they want to go back in and edit him out completely. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, uh, we're kind of dealing with that now with Cara Dune's character. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the thing. And it's like, um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to, to comment on the the ethical actions of actors or anything like that but what i'm trying to say is that like disney has shown recently that they can go back in and just edit out whatever they don't like from any of their properties change their history and change the history so i feel like this gives them a lot of revisionist power that could affect the franchise as a whole right and that's something as a as like a big fan of star wars right um much like michelle my dad introduced me to it and i grew up with it and it kind of got me into spec fic and all that 
um, is that, yeah, it's like, you know, if it's going to remain under Disney and they're going to make, be making all this content, it's like whoever's in charge of Disney can therefore then determine what's going to be going on and what's not going to be going on, right? Like, um, but like try to change stuff up, add things, maybe dialogues, add restrictions, not add, you know, it's just, I think it's too much. It's like a, you know, it's a big power hungry machine um, that now has Marvel and Disney and Star Wars and, and uh, well, not Disney, but like, you know, they have those different properties and it's like, yeah, there's a lot of benefits to it too, but there's also a lot of issues that can occur at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with everything you said, uh, but I think the, the uh, not to sound corporate but like the cross-pollinization of like, you know, having Mickey Mouse dress up in Darth Vader, like being able to see some of that stuff, that's great. Um, another thing I really don't enjoy particularly about Disney um, having to own pretty much all of the content that we consume in, you know, we relish in it, is that if we decide that we want to create a community or a club or something like that and be able to showcase that our, our love of the fandom or or uh, be able to share this love with another group, you know, the I've, I've seen people in the past, and I won't go too, too, too much into it, um, get cease and desist letters from Disney's lawyers saying, hey, you can't do this. And you're just like, but I'm not making money off of this. Or if I am, it's going to charity. There's, you, you just Google any, like, lawsuits in the news and cease and desist letters from disney it it's it's rough um i understand why they have to be protective but at the same time like please let the fans do what they want because where are your business biggest customers where are your biggest consumers yeah they also do this with a lot of like cultural icons outside of the u.s too right like pinocchio was a tale that was famous in italy you know um a lot of grim fairy tale and stuff and it's like if you try to have german or Italian filmmakers try to make something off of that, which I think are, you know, stories and stuff that belong to a culture, Disney's going to be all over it, right? Like, they're like, we need to get a cut, or this is our money, and it has to go this way, and, and you know, um, I think they're, like, to be honest with you, they're the empire. <laughs> they are, but yeah. then at the same time, it's confusing, because they give us, like, they give us opportunities that we we never had before, you know, because they're the Empire, which is it's weird that I feel like a really good Star Wars uh, allegory is here in Disney. They could totally make that into a movie itself, uh, like Disney being the evil Empire. But they obviously wouldn't because then, you know, that'd be smearing their own name um, like Taika, his career has taken off tremendously because of Disney. But, like, before that, he was just some random New Zealand director and stuff. Um, like, there's just... There's, there's, there's these people who are just benefiting from Disney's uh, narrative of openness and, and togetherness and family, while at the same time, that company practices really shady corporate practices. And absolutely, you're right, Michelle, like, uh, uh, completely blacklists and bans anybody who uses their, their material without their permission because they make their bread and butter off of every sort of Disney uh, IP. Um, so, yeah, you have to pay them if you even want to just talk about Disney. And sometimes I wonder if this podcast will <laughs> but, yeah, well, I was like, how much can I get into it? And I'm really sorry if I get you guys in trouble i mean i don't even no don't, no no no, no. It, it, it's no, not fine, because dude. we're not monetizing <laughs> right now <laughs> right now okay if we were showing like clips from the thing yeah. or like audio then they would yeah we're fine. We're good. well no no the, even the audio too it's like if if i don't know it, it's it's all stupid law politics stuff um i feel like at some point down the line if we make like all these episodes available in later on we'll run into that problem but for now enjoy and talk the way that you want <laughs> um but yeah Disney, disney's gotten too big dude there are people like praying to the mouse nowadays right like i've been seeing that on facebook are you kidding me you know, oh my gosh this is like one facebook profile i'm not gonna mention whom but like this person will share this was crazy this was fucking mind-blowing it was on september 11th uh, and they showed you the pictures of the towers oh, no. and Mickey Mouse on his knees praying in front of the towers. <sighs> and I was just like, come on, man. They're starting a cult. This is like a, you know, listen, fandom is great. I love Disney. Again, I grew up with all the films and I appreciate what they do. And, and uh, you know, I hear they treat their writers and the artists very good, I guess, relatively. Um, but come on. It's just, you know, they're, they're clearly like, you know, power hungry. Yeah. I would say for certain um yeah. and it's like they do have all these properties and, and they and it's 
properties that mean something to people too, right? Like, wasn't there that Mouse means something to people? Star Wars means something to me, you know. To yeah, there w- wasn't there that yeah. one Star Wars author who like stopped getting his royalty check ever since the uh, they they were bought out, I believe. Uh, it was like a huge issue in in the, the writing community. Um, but yeah, Disney basically kind of screwed him out after. Yeah, Marvel was doing stuff like that beforehand, where it was like if you created a character while you were working for Marvel, it became Marvel's property. Or d- yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly the situation here. It was like a character you made for Disney and built a contract there, but then once they were bought out, they own the rights to all the things, but they didn't have to pay the royalties, which is bullshit, like a hundred percent bullshit. But Disney's really powerful, so how do you beat their lawyers? You don't. Um. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird, right, you know? This went uh, from, like, we're talking about Mando to we're hating on Disney. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I don't think it has to be, like, you know, hate either, right? Um, you know, I see it more as a constructive critique. Again, I, I think there is a the value to having a company like, um, you know, like Disney when it, when it comes to the art stuff, you know? Because they really did change a lot of things and whatever, but they need to be checked. Yeah, I think that's. What I it agree. Down to, it's know? just like recognizing certain things that are doing really well. Like when, I mean, bad bad example that is bad, but like when Facebook initially came out, it was such a great way to keep in touch with your friends, to record your life. But now they have all this data on us. It's just like, oh crap. No, that's but, a perfect example. Yeah, but like just so recognizing the fact that Disney's kind of done the same thing to us. It's just like, all right, well, do we as a consumer can we band together and say no more Disney Plus or separate Disney Plus's products so that we can use it in a different way. Um, I, I guess like food is kind of like that too. Like think about the number of uh, food companies that are have all these different brands on, on store shelves that mm-hmm. look like they're different. So maybe that's the way that they have to hide themselves. But at the same time, like at least as a, cons- as a consumer, I can be like, oh, okay, I'm buying stuff from different places kind of, I guess. Makes me feel a little better. I don't know. No, I, I hear you on that. And it's also stressful because, like, if you're a small person, if you're, like, an indie artist, you know, you struggle for years making your art and you, and you do the things and, and you get the notoriety. You build an entire career off of stories, off of, you know, the things that you create. And it's hard not to just be like, oh, OK, uh, the, you know, a big appealing corporation like Disney comes around and says, hey, we like what you made. We'd like to to." partner up we'd like to buy you out we'd like to make your thing it's hard to say no to that after years of struggle like it, it like it's it's complicated because while you don't like the the evil empire this giant thing that's kind of manipulating the scenes or i guess manipulating the market um it's hard to say no when the opportunity arises like i don't know anybody who stand firm who stands firm with their artist integrity with the exception of alan moore and we all think he's black shit crazy so just a little i would totally just... sell myself for disney what's up <laughs> not like sell myself but I would totally work for. Disney. I would too. Like, like, I yeah, can't. I don't. I stress that heavily. Like, with the exception of Alan Moore, I don't know anybody who said no to like major dollars like that. You know. Yeah. But if there was the opportunity that were other um, studios out there, um, that would be nice. I mean, it, it is. But then even that corp- that turns into corporate world too. Like Netflix was very much all about the indie scene when it first came out, and now it's. Creating its own studios, like billion-dollar studios everywhere across the world, and people are trying to catch up to what they have on on data metrics for for streaming and watch watching habits and stuff, which they then sell for ads in ways that we don't know. <laughs> so it's like, where where do you escape it? And I, I actually don't have an answer for that. I just like the things I like without realizing that I'm being sold the thing, for, or I'm being sold uh, while liking the thing as a as a commodity. I'm a Star Wars fan, that therefore I will buy this particular brand of thing like more. You know? Can I feel like I feel like that's how the fandom's kind of going? You know, yeah. it's like it doesn't matter what they produce; it's, it could be just like a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> and if it has like the Star Wars or Marvel brand on it, everyone's like, "Oh, fucking fantastic!" Oh my god! You know, like it's hard to have discussions anymore because um, you know, on the one hand, you do definitely have toxic fans, right? Yeah. Um, yep. And then on the other hand, I think you have people that just kind of will consume whatever Disney or other company will feed them. You know, and it's it's very difficult to kind of find, I think, the, you know, that space, at least in my experience, um, to, to kind of be able to look at something and critique it, right? Constructively critique it and, and just kind of be like, you know, well, this is not a perfect piece, but I still enjoy it, hmm. right? I don't know, because I feel like that's the thing. People are just like, like I saw with the Abrams trilogy, right? Uh, you know, fans were split. 
the toxic people are like, oh my god, or whatever they said, their vitriol. And then the other people are like, oh my gosh, you know, like, you know, Abrams is the most fucking brilliant thing in the world. And, it, and it's just, come on, man. You know, you got to be able to find balance, the balance within the whole. <laughs> you know, um, and I don't know, it seems like Mando is kind of going that way. It's promising. I I think it's set, it's definitely made steps to make it a bigger universe, which is great. Yeah, I'm really enjoying that. Um, we didn't know we didn't know much about the Mandalorian uh, culture and everything, so someone finally built out more of it. And I mean, I even didn't know about the whole fact that like Mandal um, Din was like in his in a different in a very extreme sect, and I was like, oh my god. So I've been following someone who had a very strict set of rules and everything, and then I thought everyone was wrong. So I think, again, this is just like another piece of brilliance that Star Wars kind of brings to life of like, you know, we, we attach ourselves to, to characters that we so enjoy and we are a huge fan and I stand this character. But then you realize, wait, he was brought up in a way that most people wouldn't actually find acceptable. And then like you as the viewer have to like reconcile that. It's, it's like the whole thing with the whole... um in today's episode where uh the oh my god the tie fighters came in and saved the day right and yeah the stormtroopers yeah. came in and saved the day and it's just like yes we have the we we have the the bad guy we're cheering on the bad guys so <laughs> which i yeah that was very complicated mm-hmm. um i love that this episode is called the believer because i don't see who was like who that was impl- or who that was referencing towards but the fact that it's kind of bent our sense of moral right and wrong in this i think that's really the point of or the theme of uh, this episode which is really cool yeah i was actually like i was like okay so the episode starts as the believer i was like okay cool so what does that mean and then you don't really get a good idea of that whereas like all the other episodes like i mean one of the first episodes was the child okay that's yeah. obvious the heiress um that's yeah. pretty obvious and some other stuff but yeah, this one I was like, what does that actually mean? So I'll be curious to see if it makes more sense going forward because it's probably for- it might be foreshadowing something. Well, the only thing I saw foreshadowing here was um, the the lines. Apparently, Moff Gideon gave those same lines that Din Djarin gave him uh, at the end of this episode uh, that Moff said earlier, which was something along the lines of "You don't know how much that child means to me, and I'm coming for you," which made me go, "Wow, that was a uh, very taken." E, like the Liam Neeson thing. Oh, crap, Liam Neeson. Oh. Will they bring him back to life, too? Are we going to get Qui-Gon Jones? Oh, my God, please, yes. That would be really no, funny. Don't, don't. Come on, man. We have to start, like, this is this is something that really takes me out. Not about Star Wars, but about, like, uh, I guess pop culture movies and stuff. Um, and I'm bringing this up right now because I'm watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Mm-hmm. It's like we have to, like, value killing off people in movies and shit. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you're going to kill someone and bring them back to life immediately and just kind of keep doing that, I think it really devalues the concept of death within, um, like, these shows, right? Like, when I saw Darth Maul and Solo, I was like, well, why? Like, I know it made sense. I know they brought him back in the comics and then the Clone Wars and, and all these different things, but why? Like, why? What's the point? Just because you want to, like, sell more Darth Maul well, no, like, figures? Like, that's what I thought, know, too, initially. Quakes. Apparently, that whole Darth coming back to life, that's actually Lucas, which is crazy. Um, okay, he's like a huge offender. He's like he's like mini Disney, right? <laughs> That's true. He's really like mini Disney because it's like he doesn't want anyone to see the original films, and he goes out of their way like uh, by like you know enhancing quote unquote uh, all the other like re releases of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, the prequels really show the fact that he's kind of a shit director. Uh, cough, cough, you know, because really, like, how do you have Natalie Portman? On, on screen and turn her vapid like that either requires a lot of talent as a director or you're a shitty director <laughs> um and i'm gonna lean towards the latter you know with that with lucas and don't get me wrong i love papa lucas he's great uh thanks for star wars and all that shit but like you know it, again it kind of plays into this thing like, like like what's the intent i think it really comes down to that question what is the intent that we're trying to see here you know what i mean like are you trying to kill off a character to actually kill them off? Are you trying to kill off a character just to make it a twist? You know? D- Disney loves that shit, right? We saw that in the Avengers Endgame. 
<laughs> Which Where's none of it, none died? of it's gonna matter because yeah, we've we'll got multiverse that. theory now. So like everyone's coming yeah, back. Like, yeah, exactly. It's great. So we're gonna get like another Spider-Man three. The Spider-Man three we should have had. Dude, like every, every, they're bringing every Marvel character back. It's insane. Like Daredevil is gonna insane. be in this one. They're bringing you know, back is, like, Fantastic Four, guys. Do you know how excited I am? I'm like, yes, yeah, redemption right. because the past. Was, oh my god, I had. Yeah, I, I was so disappointed as a. Oh my god, I must have been like ten. I was really young when I watched the initial Fantastic Four uh, movies, and I was so excited because I was like, I loved the cartoons back then. And, like, even then, I knew that those movies were such a disappointment, and I was just really sad and pretended I wasn't a Fantastic Four fan for the longest time. But now I can be again <laughs> because they've coming out with hopefully better movies. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I Personally, I really want to see Doctor Doom. I want to see a good Doctor Doom because we've been screwing that up for a long time. I think they should use the entire cast of Brooklyn Nine-Nine to <laughs> play the new Fantastic Four movie. That would be dope. Have Andy Samberg as Reed Richards and Michelle, uh, what's her name, Melissa Fumero as um, the Invisible Lady. Have, like, uh, Joe Latrugio play It. Or not It, what's his name? The Thing? The Rock Dude. The Thing. Sorry, totally <laughs> forgot. Totally forgot my uh, gender neural descriptor there. The Thing. Um, and then, you know, we could have, like, Rosa be... Um, I'm totally having a brain fart with these character names, guys. Help me out here. Uh, Susan, uh, is it Susan, the Invisible Woman? Susan's brother. Susan's brother. Oh, uh, Johnny Storm, Human Torch. Johnny Storm, the Torch. Yeah, yeah the Torch. So um, they should just totally have that cast, and then they should use that same cast to do another Star Wars movie, <laughs> <laughs> and then just keep doing that. I think Disney, if you're listening, in this off chance, to this uh, small yet humble podcast. Just please use that entire cast of Brooklyn Nine Nine in your movies <laughs> from now on. Every single one. You know. If it happens, I gotta we gotta like say, hey, we came up with that idea. Money, please, totally. Hollywood. And that off chance, yeah. you know, I take twenty five percent commission. <laughs> uh, okay, um, so we've talked a lot about Disney and this episode of Mandalorian. Uh, let's just wrap it up. Final thoughts on The Believer, uh, season two, episode seven. Don't everyone start at once. <laughs> That's you, Michelle. You oh, I, well, I guess my first thought was I, I hope to see Grogu come back soon. Um, I, I really miss I, I really miss my puppet uh, on the screen because he, he really cheers me up. Um, I, I think Grogu as a character is so fascinating because you, you see a child in its like prime development. Um, you can see that he has very like, uh, I guess, for lack of better terms, like very black and white emotions so it's like either very happy and he's hungry and he's doing things or like there's a sense of anger and darkness within him and it's it's very interesting to get that out of like a basically a puppet so (laughs) it's really really cool and like i think the whole idea of um grogu possibly floating in towards the dark side like that's very interesting because we assume uh especially given the species as we've known uh known we as fans know in Star Wars, they're almost always the good guys. Uh, Yoda and Yaddle, right? Mm-hmm. They they carry they carry the not red lightsaber. Um, but <laughs> yeah. what if what if Grogu becomes more attracted to the dark side and and falls prey to it, so to speak? It that could be a very interesting twist. I I kind of hope it doesn't happen. But hey, like if we can explore that in some fan theory, like what if something like that happens? That again, um, we're revolutionizing or we're evolving our way to tell stories nowadays and how to grow our characters and just um entertain ourselves um what if something like that does happen that'd be kind of cool totally yeah absolutely um i really like this episode a lot um you know i I thought everyone did really great in terms of acting the action was fantastic it definitely drives the story forward you know I, i definitely do miss grogu too michelle as you mentioned it is the first episode i believe of the series where he's not featured uh within it and, um, yeah, I'm excited to kind of see uh, what the season finale is going to be like next week. And um, I think for this episode in particular, a lot of uh, old school Star Wars fans who are really into the original trilogy and, and uh, Rogue One and kind of the expanded universe are really going to dig it. So definitely I give it an A. It's good. Nice. Um, Actually, I have one more thought I just realized. Yeah, no, feel free. Um, Any thoughts? The Din... Ex- 
This sounds so funny. Din exposed himself. Oh no. Um, I'm kind of curious <laughs> to see what that means for him going forward. Like, does that mean he'd be more willing to take off his mask and not follow his sex so strictly? Does like, how is he gonna evolve with that action, that uh, that consequence that he had to develop? So, just seeing all of that will be very interesting. And now we kind of now it is kind of important why um. The actor whose name is Pedro Pascal uh, got casted for for this particular character because you know when we were watching season one we were like dude they could have gotten some Joe Schmo I mean even I could have been Mandalorian for all for all the rest of the world <laughs> cared right yeah. but now it seems a lot more significant and so now it makes me even more excited to see what's going to happen further um, as the series progresses. Hundred percent agree and it's it's great that you mentioned that because uh, this is. And I don't know how we got back on this, but like, um, uh, what's the word? Pedro, he, from what I hear, I can't confirm it's a hundred percent certain, but the rumors are he wasn't exactly happy with, uh, some of the, uh, some of the stuff that happened, uh, in this particular season, mostly cause he wanted more scenes with his mask off and, you know, cause he puts so much effort into this and he does a fantastic job. He wants, he wants more face time and, and the, you, you see it in this episode and I can't confirm whether the rumors are true or false. Cause honestly, the internet's pretty divided amongst the star Wars community and I don't really want to jump in on that, but, um, it seems at least from what we're introduced here and because they've seen his face and more importantly, his face is now technically registered under some sort of Imperial like registry of some sort, or at least they have some evidence of it uh, that like we're going in that direction where we might see more Pedro Pascal and his beautiful glory. Um, so yeah, like, I think business side, more face time uh, story side. Um, they can kind of do whatever they want, honestly, story side, because we're all kind of just super sucked in. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to love to see more Pedro and, and his face and Mando. And uh, yeah, I'm really concerned that he's in the registry now. Like, I mean, you, you can't really scar your face up too much to be different. So uh, I was like, no, don't do it. Don't do it in the middle of the yeah. episode earlier. But I was like, all right. But you do have to save Grogu, so fine. But that's such a sacrifice. Oh, actually, that was the whole thing. Um, that there's the one note that I took. Because <laughs> sure. I actually took notes. Because this is how much of a nerd I am. Um, so, hey, just showing passion. That's, that's dope. Yes. Uh, so what I read in other analyses of the show, which I totally agree with, uh, the, the entire Star Wars fan, uh, franchise, like, there's not the best example of parent-child relationships. Luke Skywalker, <laughs> I mean, uh, the Rogue One, um, the daughter and the son, the the father. You know, there's a, there's a lot. Um, but Mandalorian Grogu do have, or Jin, Din and um, Grogu do have a very seemingly caring father-son relationship or parent-child relationship. Yeah. So that is really important. Um, Hundred percent. You're, yeah. you're right. I completely forgot that most of the parents in this series are just motivation because they get killed off. Yes. <laughs> so, although it kind of does work with Disney's shtick, right? Cause, yeah. Like, the princesses or the princes, like parent, dies some tragic death, or you know. Yeah. Yeah. Both Mufasa and Vader, exactly. same actor too. Okay. Like uh, my my thoughts on this one uh, personally, I liked it a lot. Um, I'm a little. Not concerned or annoyed, but like there's another. Here's a new quest. We're going to the next adventure. I, I mentioned, I think, two or three weeks ago that I would really like like a three or four episode arc. And this is kind of that with like baby it can't happen with the, yeah with baby Grogu getting up, kidnapped and them trying to rescue him. But even in the process of rescuing him, it's like new planet, new adventure of the week, another objective afterwards at the end. I, I it, it's I don't mind it, but it is getting. Uh, I, I want there to be a better hook for me, uh, personally. And I know, like, I think I also talked about this in the podcast before, where it's a little hard to do that because they have so many guest directors and each one has, like, a different uh, individual individualized story. And some of them are great, like uh, Robert Rodriguez's last week. But, um, you know, it's it's a little, I just want more uh, cohesive continuity, one flowing arc type thing, personally. So I like this episode a lot for what it did um, and for showing uh, Pedro's face. But um, I, I just I don't know how this is going to end is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I, I have no idea what happens next week except some sort of showdown with Moff Gideon and the baby. Well, I'm assuming, but f for all we know, who knows? Um, so g great episode. Um, I just don't know where we're going still. And I've been saying that for like half half the season. <laughs> uh, all right. 
Um, guys, is there anywhere that uh, people can follow you? Yeah, you guys. <laughs> I'm like, do we want to go into my professional career? No, I'm just kidding. Um, we're we're gonna stick to my Instagram, guys. So you can f- uh, follow me at uh, MishiCatLu. It's a M I S H I C A T L I U. Um, uh, I would love to, you know, engage people on there. So follow me, and I'll follow you back, and we'll have fun. And you can find me on the WorkPrint if you type in my name, Jad J A D. <clears throat> and um, you can also follow me on all the social medias at Jad Cato, J A D K A D O. I like that you say. And interact with me as well, too. Yeah. I like that you say double A. I'd love to hear your thoughts. What oh, I said I like that you say double A D O. That, that there's, a, there's a nice thing, yeah. like a ring to it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and you know me by now, I hope, because otherwise I don't know why you're still listening. Uh, Christian Angelus, you can follow me on theworkprint.com, X and underscore Angelus on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Christian Angelus writer on Facebook. Um, I do a, a, a little bit of everything for WorkPrint, particularly hosting these podcasts. I also do video game reviews for a different site, but I'm not going to promote that here because that feels kind of dirty. Um, but go go to go to the Facebook, go to the Instagram, go to everything, and, and just see. Uh, even go to my Muckrick account because I, I have a, a professional journalist now because can see all the articles I have professionally listed so PR people can be like, yo, what's up? And I'm like, Wait. hey. Oh, Muckrick. I yeah, might yeah. actually have a Muckrack. Yeah, I don't know why, but I think I developed <laughs> one. And I just I just created one. I was like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's <laughs> dope. It's, it's a great way. And, like, it's weird because they start reaching out to you. Like, that was a weird change. I, I really like Muckrack. Muckrack, if you're listening, thank you. And I'm happy to be joining your wall thing come january um because they share everyone if you get certified with them they start sharing your thing on their main wall where other people can find you anyway uh (laughs) this was episode seven of uh this is the cast we have one more the season finale of uh mandalorian season two uh for that one i'm gonna bring back the editor-in-chief Bilal and uh nicole to talk about pretty much everything we've seen about this season so please check it out and uh i hope everyone has a wonderful Star Wars filled time, I guess, especially with all the new news. So, happy Christmas special! Oh yes, and also if you're holiday wise, uh, Lego Star Wars Christmas special. Check that out, please. It's really dope. You'll thank me later. No, check out the old Abomination that Lucas. <laughs> That's made. what Come. I was going to refer to. Yeah, totally watch that. Legally download it <laughs> <laughs> and just watch all that. <laughs> Sorry, no, it's dope. Harrison Ford at his finest. Yeah. All right, everyone. Uh, have a happy holiday. Oh, happy Hanukkah. There you go. There, that one fits. All right. Take care.